0: Hello and welcome to Marketing in Times of Recovery and I am your host, Iowa Bass. For those who are regular listeners, I thought I'd just give you a bit of background as to why um, Marketing in Crisis is no more. Um, I decided to refresh the podcast because I really don't think that after a year that businesses can still be operating in the same crisis mode or state that we were, I guess, in March 2020 um let's be honest most businesses have had to adapt um and i guess get used to dealing with uncertainty and change so in terms of the podcast it felt like the right time to kind of move the conversation onto recovery but in terms of the format and what's going on it's still going to be interview led it'll still be built environment related and it'll still be based on lots of kind of i guess great conversations about business but also about marketing so hopefully i hope you still subscribe still listen and still enjoy the show Anyway, to kick off this kind of special um, refresh episode, I thought I might as well go global, do something big. Go big or go home. So this is a special kind of Australian takeover, um, featuring, featuring three very special guests, um, who hail from Australia. Um, in terms of my podcast, many people from kind of Amos Godreich and BVDS are often citing Australian architectural practices as being their inspiration and they kind of look to them for their marketing and their ideas for how they tackle things. So. I thought, um, there's three people who I have fo- followed in the past year on social media, on LinkedIn mainly, um, who have stood out to me as being kind of marketing consultants who specialize in the industry and really know what they're talking about and they look awesome. And they've gladly kind of agreed to come onto the show. So, We've got Amy Edwards from Marketly, um, which is a digital marketing agency which specializes in working with architects. We've got Nikita Morrell, who is a copywriter extraordinaire, who um, is amazing on LinkedIn. Do check her out. We've also got Dave Sharp, who runs his own consultancy business, Vanity Projects, where he coaches international architects from around the world in terms of their marketing and, and paid ads. So three different people who all hail from Australia, um, and they are awesome to talk to. Um, so they're going to kick off the first kind of refreshed, rebranded uh, marketing times of recovery. Um, it's going to be a free parter, so make sure you kind of listen to all the episodes um, and it's going to cover marketing in terms of strategy, social, print and everything in between. So I hope you enjoy listening to the interview as much as I did. um it's a very very special episode we are going international um and we have three guests for you all today um firstly um i'm gonna start off with dave can you um introduce yourself what you do and where you come from
1: Hi, uh, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, I'm in Melbourne, Australia and I'm a marketing coach for architects um, and I mostly focus on digital marketing and online type stuff. So I usually meet with my clients like once a month or once every couple of weeks and just give them kind of advice on their marketing.
0: Okay. And over to you, Nikita. Uh, Can you tell us more about you, uh, who you are, what you do? Sure. So, yeah, again, thank you for having
2: me. Um, so, I am based in Sydney, Australia, and I'm a copywriter and marketing strategist for architects, but um, I'm particularly passionate about um, writing architecture websites that sound um, a little bit more human, I guess.
3: <laughs> so, yeah, that's where I'm at.
0: And finally, over to you, Amy. Can you tell us a bit about you, please?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Um, My name's Amy and I have a marketing consultancy group called Marketly and we're based in Brisbane, Australia. Um, Mainly what we do is we help people with their strategy for their practice um, and then work with them to implement it across um, content and PR um, and digital activities as well.
0: Okay, so... I guess I'm going to start off in terms of what you all do, because you're all kind of look. you're all marketers, but you're all doing something, something a bit different. And I recently wrote a post on LinkedIn, actually, talking, you know, not all marketers are the same. I guess, can you talk about, I guess, a bit about your background and how you got to where you are and the kind of specialisms that you cover? I'll kick off with you, uh, Amy.
3: Sure. Um, So, I started off um, working in retail marketing, actually. That was my background. Um, So, I was always very um, customer focused and brand focused. Uh, And then I had an opportunity to move to a um, architecture practice and I kind of just fell in love with it. I love design and um, that's where I really kicked off um, my love of marketing for design and architects and creatives. Um, And then, Really, about two to three years ago, um, I started Marketly, and uh, I just kept going from there. And now, really, what I do is work with small and medium practices, just to just to help them either start up, or help them to grow, or um, help them evolve as a business.
0: Um, are there any kind of particular aspects of marketing you specialize in, or are you quite kind of general in what you offer?
3: Um, I think fairly general. I think it's more of a bit of an umbrella term for us really. Like it's a marketing for us is um, about creating a strategy for people, for practices that they can either implement themselves or we help them to implement. Um, it really depends on the practice and and. Um, where they're headed and what some of their goals are depending on what the marketing activities we do. But, I mean, generally I've found in the last 12 months a lot of that has been about content marketing. So um, a lot of our work has been there. But it's also been in um, publishing their work, like trying to get as much publicity as possible and redoing websites. Yeah. I think that's kind of one of the big things and Nikita's probably found that as well. <laughs> it's like everyone's suddenly going, oh, my God, my website's terrible. Can you please help? Um, so that I guess that's... <laughs> I feel like it's very general, but um, but that's sort of where we're heading at this
0: stage. So, Nikita, as we're talking websites, so you are, I guess you're specialising in kind of making websites human uh, for architects in many ways. <laughs> and I guess how have you kind of, how did you kind of wind up there doing doing that for architects?
2: Yeah, so I guess um, I started in brand management for bigger companies like L'Oreal and that, and then I ended up working um, at InDesign Publishing Group, so an architecture magazine company um, doing lots of their kind of media um, as well as some of the copy. And then that's where I fell in love with writing um, and moved in-house um, to a really, um, I guess, um, well-established firm in Sydney. Um, so I was doing in-house copy writing for them. Um, and then I just thought like, if I can be doing it for this one firm, I just kind of took a leap of faith and thought I can, you know, offer my service to services to more firms. And I think the biggest thing is, is a lot of architects and I could be speaking generally, but they just kind of think their work kind of speaks for itself, which often, you know, visual images, like it's needed. But also, I guess I come from the perspective that words also matter. So um, as a copywriter, I'm not a design journalist. I'm not a design writer. That often gets a bit confused. So yeah. what I do is, um, I guess as a copywriter, I'm trying to use words to persuade, you know, architects, you know, their ideal clients um, so that they can win more and better projects i guess um so yeah there is a difference there and and that's what i apply to people's
0: websites i
2: guess like every single word matters like there's no empty empty word
0: wow i love that every single word matters and on you dave you're a bit different aren't you a former architect
1: Yeah, not like a registered architect. I was never smart enough to get fully qualified for it. But I did (laughs) I did go I did spend six years at university studying it and you know, thousands of hours in unpaid internships like cranking it out. And um so I've done I've done my I've done that. You've done your time. Um I've done my time and then as soon as I Realized I just did not have the work ethic and the patience to be an architect, but I really <laughs> wanted to. I really wanted to um, continue to sort of be immersed in architecture and meet architects. And I love small practices, especially sole practitioners, um, practices with ten or fewer people. Is like what I find really interesting. I think they do the coolest work, and so yeah, it sort of led me into what i what i was doing which was kind of combining my interests in sort of social media and marketing with my interests in architecture and business and then then i slowly went on this kind of journey to where i am now with it okay so i guess uh in the uk we are
0: coming out of lockdown so things are starting to reopen how's it kind of been for you in the past year and and and, and what 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 kind of what happened in i guess march 2020 or around then for you, Amy, how was it?
3: Uh, well, I think like most people in the world, a lot of things just stopped, you know, and I think particularly for business and particularly for practices, they kind of went into panic mode. And and I think they just ended up um, stopping a lot of their marketing and their communications and their writing and they put everything on hold, probably also because their projects were put on hold. So, they you know, they don't have a lot of funds coming in. So, it's hard to have funds going out at the same time Um, but I found you know obviously um, Melbourne for us went into a really big uh, lockdown period and then I think once that ended I think people realized that nothing was really changing like you know we'd hit some kind of stable period and they realized actually we've we've got to start doing some marketing otherwise nothing's nothing's going to change and and nothing's going to get better unless we start getting back out there again. Um So, for me, I felt like yeah. around that October time things started kicking back off again um, and it has been pretty much steadily on the up since then um, I'm not sure about the others, but that's that's um our response anyway, definitely up in queensland
0: and And from your perspective, Dave, how's that been because you've got I guess you've got in more international clients haven't you?
1: yeah, so like Melbourne where I was living was like. A nightmare, but but in terms of work, <laughs> it was actually quite nice to get to talk to clients that weren't under a twenty-three hour a day lockdown um, day to day. Because so many of my clients uh, are around the place. Like I've always had my sort of approach that it, I don't really care where a client is, and I don't focus in Melbourne on Melbourne in particular because I don't like leaving my home office and meeting people. So it doesn't really <laughs> matter that I'm <laughs> that I'm here. Um, so I have to work. I have to work with people from everywhere. Um, but pretty much the same thing um, that Amy picked up really. It was like March, April was like, Oh my God, where did my clients go? It was just, everything was on hold super, super quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then after that, it's just been super consistent and month over month, um, getting kind of busier and busier, um, around the end of last year, kind of reached, you know, sort of more clients and more work than I sort of at was at the peak before covid so and then it's been all kind of good since then as well. So, yeah, it's been a really strong bounce back and I think what we uh, what we saw a little bit was that, you know, um when when people are worried about I guess the future or they are feeling like their business is quite quiet they sometimes some practices are more willing to take a bit more risk and invest in getting some help with their marketing who previously might not have felt that they had a really strong need to do that so I saw a lot of that type of stuff in the second half of last year
0: and are there particular things um, I'm going to throw this at Nikita are there particular things that you've seen people bouncing back with but also what types of things they're asking you for what are they coming to you for
2: yeah, so I guess my experience was um, similar in terms of like there was a bit of a, I guess, a standstill in March. But what I found as well is there was a huge increase um, in people coming to me for website copy. And I think that was because a lot of their projects got put on hold. So they just kind of had that time and maybe a bit of space to relook at their marketing and where they were at. You know, it's one of, website's one of those things that's always kind of like, on the to-do list somewhere down the bottom. Um, so just, yeah, um, something that you don't look at for months or even years. So all of a sudden yeah. a lot of people coming to me kind of saying, hey, I've been meaning to do this, now I have a bit of time, um, which was, I guess, a, a positive um, for us marketers to, to come out of it
0: too. So has websites been the big thing or, or do you think, uh, is it social media or websites or a combination that you think people are really kind of moving towards at the moment? I'm gonna try that, Dave.
1: Oh, uh, I think they're probably moving away from social media and moving back towards websites and email marketing and maybe content marketing. Mm-hmm. They're more open-minded to maybe doing some writing or doing some, maybe starting a podcast or something like that. I there's always this sort of undercurrent of interest in Instagram, um, and but that I would say. I I think the excitement around Instagram um, is dropping off a little bit over time for architects. So I don't get the same, you know, um, fixation on we have to, you know, have more Instagram followers that I used to get, you know, two, three years ago. It's like a completely different environment right now for for a lot of architects.
0: Any reason why you think there might be a drop off in kind of social media and, and Instagram and people wanting to do it as much? I'm going to ask you that one, Amy, um, uh,
3: or Dave. What was it for me? Oh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think you go go for it, Dave. Honestly, but <laughs> no. I think maybe um, perhaps I can. I'll kick it and I'll pass it back over. Um, I, I don't know. I think people. Are, I think people are, are tired. I think people are just digitally tired. I think they've. You know, there's a lot of stuff that's online at the moment, and um, they're a bit overloaded. I, I do wonder whether on Instagram, you know, there's been this big change recently with the algorithm and and pushing people more towards doing reels. And I think um, I think that has impacted a lot of stuff. I think people are getting a bit tired of things that don't mean anything. Um, I think they're looking for engagement yeah. and story and. Um for me personally, like I know a lot of my clients is, are really transitioning more to LinkedIn because they can do something of substance there, but also because they can talk directly to a client and um it feels like a, a better connection. Um but I'd be interested to see what you both think um on how that's worked for your clients as well.
1: Yeah, I think I think Amy's spot on, I think it's the algorithm's changed a little bit, but also um for a lot of architects, Instagram was their fo- their favorite social media platform. Personally, like they actually liked going on there, and I think a lot of them were addicted to it. And I think that that addiction um, started to lose its hold over them a little bit as Instagram maybe got a bit more, bit more commercial, bit, bit too many Facebook-y. ads, bit too many weird Facebooky features. Yep. And I think people just sort of thought, ah. Oh, Instagram's a bit lame and then they sort of started not getting so excited about the results that they were getting on there so um, not that not that our marketing should be driven by like you know our our adrenaline levels <laughs> <laughs> or our dopamine but um, but for a lot of architects you know for the for the average architect they are thinking about what's exciting and what entertains me in in my marketing in a lot of ways yeah not that I advocate for that but that's a big part and I think that they have Kind of gone, like it's not Instagram anymore. I don't know what it is as much. Um, not, I don't think anything's come along and and is as exciting for architects as Instagram was at the peak. But you know, who knows? Well, it,
0: Instagram's so visual, so it kind of just plays to the whole kind of architectural world and and what they enjoy, doesn't yeah. it? So the fact that, but now it's like your engagement's going down. It's you can't do as much business. People aren't coming off the platform. It's kind of. I guess it's more consumer-led as well Mm. with a lot of the Facebook features, right? It just makes it so much harder. Um, Nikita, do you have anything in terms of social media and the impact of it and and why people may be turning off or potentially?
2: Yeah. And I think Dave and Amy, they've covered it off pretty well. I think the only thing I'd add is that I've seen a little bit more, um, I think Davey might've mentioned it just a little bit more interest in podcasts. Um, A few studios have started their own podcasts, like, On top of my head, the second, it's called the second studio. They've just um, started one, like, or they've had one for a while. But, and then even um, YouTube little mini videos, um, there's that Archie marathon by Andrew Maiden and their studio. Like I think, yeah, they're moving maybe, I don't know if it's like a general or a bigger trend, but I have seen these kind of, um, yeah, these more kind of interactive, like little episode type things pop up um I guess
0: it's that shift isn't it towards content that you're producing yourself and you can push out yourself because I think you know when it's social media it's like you're reliant on them to push it out for you which you don't know when the algorithms change your your content goes you know doesn't get as much engagement so personally publish yourself (laughs) Um, okay so in terms of 2021 and what's kind of going on now in terms of the industry and the sector, are there kind of particular areas or trends that you think are thriving, Amy?
3: Oh, gosh, that are thriving.
0: Pushing forward.
3: (laughs) Well, I think, I definitely think, I think content marketing just seems to be, um, there's definitely been a massive push on that in the last six months. I feel like that's been a really, a really big thing. And I think, and maybe, maybe it's not so much from the marketing perspective. I don't know if it's that, We're pushing it, but I think suddenly um, architects are starting to understand the value of it. You know, it even comes back to one of your recent um, posts that you did as well that was, you know, talking about like getting published from having a blog post. You know, I think they're they're starting to see that there's much greater value than just putting a picture out. You know, there's a a voice and a story that they can tell behind that, and I think um, that seems to be what's gaining traction for them too.
0: I'm going to ask Nikita's question. So in terms of storytelling, what kind of things do you think architects should be doing to tell stories?
2: Yes, I mean, this is an interesting one. And again, I come at it from like a copywriter's perspective. So if a client, for example, wants to um, get more clients through the door or more clients that are a better fit um, or better projects, then I always say that their storytelling really, even though it's their story, they really need to be putting these ideal clients um, front and centre. So, they really need to ask themselves, like, of what value is this story to the reader or the audience? And I think that sometimes architects can be a little bit me-centric. So, it's a bit like, I've won all these awards, I've done this amazing project. So, it's kind of flipping that on its head and saying, you're you know, your project could be amazing as this one that I've just done if you work with me. So, again, it's that, it's like a subtle shift, but it's telling a story um, as well as I think, yeah, using words to tell stories. I think architects are quite, um, you know, your visual creatures. So you like to put a lot of images and, but, you know, having small captions that kind of give context to the to the project or, um, you know, talk about the client and what they were struggling with and how you solve their problems or, yeah. I mean, I'm just like there's certain things that images can't capture like you know the feel of um, you know running your hand along a handle on the timber yeah you know like a custom bespoke country or you know the temperature of a room or the the noise or you know the ambience so they they things words I think can help um, with storytelling as well
0: and Dave in terms of I guess how do you kind of inspire or help the people that you coach to kind of tell their stories or or feel confident to share their stories what kind of advice do you give them
1: yeah, uh, well, getting that getting that confidence is always always tricky. Um, I I try to get them to just dis- sort of dissociate from thinking about it, it, there being an outcome, and really trying to drive for a specific outcome. You know, th- they might be looking to generate more work, but if that sort of is the frame that they go into any form of content marketing through, it's always gonna I think end up sort of dry, diluting. Yeah. Making, making what they're doing be a little bit less authentic. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's really important that whatever medium an architect is going into to do their storytelling, it's one that they're comfortable with and that they, they are probably again, going back to the personal aspect of it, that they probably have a personal interest in, you know, I wouldn't ever encourage somebody to like start a podcast if they themselves don't have Apple podcasts on their phone and they've never listened to a podcast. Like that's not, <laughs> That's like not a great, you know, not a great idea. So, so there is that sort of thing, but you know what? I also, I'm a big fan of, um, getting somebody else to kind of tell your story for you. If you really can't do it yourself. And I think that this is why, you know, um, working with a writer is, is super helpful if you can afford to do it, um, making sure that you're aiming to get published in publications that commission their own original writing as well can also be really valuable Yeah, because they're going to get maybe even another, like we have magazines in Australia where they'll actually handpick another architect to write an article about your work, which can be really interesting as well. Um, And the the third one that I think just sort of trumps everything is what's going on with video um, these days. And if you look Mm -hmm. at YouTube channels like, uh, the local project, the designer motive, never too small, and a few of these other channels that we've got in Australia that yeah. are doing really, really well. Um, I think you get to hear, they interview you as the architect and then they edit you together to make you sound like bloody brilliant and they make you look really cool as well um they sit you in your space and they do all this like really sexy cinematography and you're just like talking about the building and somehow they just make you sound like a complete genius so i think that can also be a good way to um do it as well bring in somebody else to kind of get it out of you because you might not be able to get it out of yourself it just might be too difficult
0: Amy, I've seen on your Instagram that you've been uh, filming with some of your clients recently. So, how do you get yeah. them to kind of tell their story and feel comfortable?
3: Uh, I think I think feeling comfortable is a hard one. I think on film, it's it's like when you press record, even on a podcast. Like for now, you go, "Oh, I'm suddenly nervous." You know, um, I think when you when you suddenly put in that spot, you kind of have this little mini freak out, but. I think just recently in the videos that we've been doing, a lot of it has been trying to keep it about a conversation. We're trying to keep it as a conversation and ignore all the stuff that's around you. But um, I think that comes with practice and and not rushing and taking your time. Um, I mean, we were lucky in that sense that we had um, we had good budgets to be able to do those filmings, and I think it you know created really beautiful quality um, film outcomes. But I do wonder, I think there's so many more opportunities that people are going to do filming themselves and filming more of what they're doing just in-house. I'd love to see some videographers helping out on that and helping architects figure out how they can film really well. Do you know what I mean? So it's not amateur hour, but still providing something that's quality Um, because it's still quite expensive. Like it's still expensive as an avenue to go down if you're employing someone to do a video of your work.
0: I know one of the people you work with, Dave, is Amos Goldreich, who I who does amazing filming. Like his Instagram feed is beautiful, um, and I've had him on this podcast as well. Um, so, what kind of, I mean, so what what sort of advice did you give him in terms of video and, and tackling all of that?
1: You know, the funny thing is, like, we, Amos and I probably haven't discussed Instagram for like two years. <laughs> we, <laughs> so we last, not even last year. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we discussed, we discussed it very early on where he was extremely reluctant to over sort of, he was, he, I don't know. I think he was like getting started and building that confidence and that sort of sense of what do I post and he hadn't he hadn't done like necessarily all the experimentation that he would go on to do and figure out kind of what things work and what things don't work. So my advice was always just like, you know, feel free to just post probably more things than you think are okay to post either in quantity or variety, just, just, just test more things. Yeah. And, um, you will end up figuring it out naturally like what you should do. Um I try not to sort of prescribe you should do exactly these things like ultimately to for somebody to get comfortable and familiar and know what they're doing in any of these areas they just have to do it. And I know that's like very simple advice but um but that's really kind of going to be a real big part of it. So yeah. Mm.
0: Ah. So in terms of kind of, I guess, a final kind of question on kind of video, I mean, video in terms of websites, is there any kind of guidance you've given to some of the websites that you've been involved in Nikita, or do you literally just look at the copy and, or do you give them guidance on how to kind of bring stuff to life?
2: Yeah, that's an interesting question. At the moment, um, most of my clients have just been quite copy focused. So they haven't, I mean, I do, um, I guess part of my strategy sessions, if I do think kind of like video content will be, um a value to them I direct them but at the moment yeah it's been quite let's just focus on the copy I mean I've had a few clients that have come to me and they've got like you know they're celebrating their fifth anniversary for the firm and they want to put together a video with like um I guess a narrator so I can help them with that but yeah at the moment for me personally it's just been more website copy like about pages and biographies and that
0: Okay, so I'm going to talk a bit about, I guess, Australian architecture versus the UK architecture. So <laughs> I was just kind of wondering, when I a couple of my guests have kind of airmarked the Australian practices as kind of being more forward-thinking in terms of, I think, how they tackle some of their work, but also how they tackle their marketing, are there kind of differences or similarities that you kind of see between Australian and UK practices, Dave?
1: Yes, I think UK and Australian practices are like the most similar to any, you could take any two places on the planet, I think the closest together, UK and Australia, they 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 are very, very, very similar and they because they have extremely, I think, similar um, taste in architecture, um, I think they're definitely aligned there. I could not say the same thing about, you know, UK and America or, you know, <laughs> other parts of Europe and Australia. Like there is definitely an alignment in terms of this is the kind of work we like, um, this sort of... I, I'm not even going to try and describe it. I feel like I'll butcher it, but similar work. We also have we we. I think we also we also have a I guess like a thriving small practice, um, scene, yeah, and, and real scene and really good work happening at that smaller end. Um, which is again not something I necessarily would say about some other countries. Um, it's it's going really well at that end, and we also have I guess similar. Um, a similar kind of like landscape in terms of the architecture media uh, and then also what firms do individually. I think there's just, there's just so many similarities in those different areas. I think where there's like kind of a, a big difference is the main thing I found was that for a long time, architects in the UK just like did not have Instagram, which <laughs> I found like pretty astonishing. Um <laughs> It was, I felt like it was like 2018 before architects made the big leap in the UK from like Twitter to uh, Instagram. And, and, and so, yeah, that would be the, the main thing that always stood out to me as like, you know, deeply disturbing.
0: <laughs> but <laughs> well, you do a, do a list, don't you, of <laughs> the kind of top, top practices on Instagram, I, don't you? I did. I
1: did. I did. I did my top 100 um, of, of Australian architects most followed on Instagram for a bit of fun. And then I started doing the top... Um, the top 100 UK ones. And to, to get into the Australian top 100, you needed like 14,000 followers. And to get into the UK one, you, you needed need about four? 500 followers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. like, Even I can get into there if I was an architect.
1: There were UK architects on the top 100 that hadn't posted in four years, you know. They, oh, they, <laughs> so so it was slow but, but but you're very top heavy you've got like zaha hadid norman foster these you know these heatherwick Sport and all these artists, shots yeah, who's
0: of them? that nah. have
1: like you know <laughs> 1.8 million followers up the top i mean we're the closest i think the most we have is a hundred thousand followers so we don't have like famous architects in australia and yeah. so i think that's a a key a key point of difference as well
0: and uh Nikita, I know that you work internationally, don't you? Um, so uh, do you see the differences between, I guess, Australia, the UK? And I guess you're writing for the US as well, right?
2: Yeah, so a lot of my clients are in the US. And I think Dave, yeah, is very much um, on the money when he says <laughs> that the aesthetic is quite, i not saying <laughs> it's different. Um, so, yeah, and I just, I actually um, recently collaborated with um this lady, Juliet Mitchell. So she, yeah. Lovely, I Archie know her. To in, um, yeah. In, and so we did like a, a guide for entering awards, which is another part of, I guess, marketing, um, you know, marketing strategy. So, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, there are definitely similarities. I think um, I've found that a lot of, I don't know, Dave and Amy can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've also found that a lot of smaller firms now are, engaging in things like lead magnets, like download our brochure. And obviously, um, they're kind of moving towards maybe growing that email list, which is something kind of, you know, aside from those newsletters that everyone sends, I think they're trying to really kind of invest in that. Um, they're slowly seeing the value of having a really engaged kind of audience. Um, so that's something I've noticed in, in
0: Australia. Um, but yeah. And in terms of writing the key, to, is there a different how is there a different style in terms of tones of voice in terms of the different is it very very different or i, I this is the honest question i actually don't know
2: yes yeah, so obviously it's like um dependent like practice upon practice and that's a, a big part of writing any website is really uncovering that tone of voice um you know you've got some like even there's this amazing um li- like little small firm in melbourne blight blight and blight and honestly like you yeah maybe put a link in the show notes or something but his website he's just like yeah he's a solo guy but just the copy on it is enough to really think oh my gosh I have to work with this guy and I think one big thing about um copy and tone of voice is that you know everyone always says in in the marketing world like no like and trust but that whole like factor like no one wants to work with a jerk right so you might as well have like really nice kind of friendly Approachable co- like copy. So, if someone hasn't met you and they stumble upon your website, they go, "Oh, hey, like this guy sounds like a nice guy. I'm gonna get in touch because that's the whole point is to kind of make that next step, right?" So,
0: yeah, I guess. Um, so, I guess if you're an architect or an engineer or in the built environment, you are selling your business. I and mean, is there a line between what you share personally and business wise? I'm gonna ask you that, Amy.
3: Oh gosh! Thanks for <laughs> asking me the hard question. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, social media. uh, Look, I think it's. I think it's really. I think it's really hard to separate. I mean, I think it's good to separate the two. That's my personal preference: is that you um, have personal and professional um, away from each other. Um, That's just my personal opinion. Um, I think it just. I think unless you're unless the brand is all about you and uh, it is your own brand, it's your name and it's um, very much your practice. I think. Um, that's, that's a different story um, but I think yeah. if you're trying to um, create a brand that isn't about your name and isn't about you personally but more about the collective of your practice then I think maybe you have to separate it out and and create its own identity that is separate from you as a person because there's you know generally there's yeah. there's a lot of personalities within the culture of a practice right and and that's what makes up that culture of a practice and and then creates its own identity it's a collective
0: so, energy isn't it yeah
3: yeah absolutely
0: So that's the end of part one and make sure you do tune into part two. If you enjoy the show, please do share it with people that you know who might find it of interest because it really does help us to spread the word. Thank you so much for listening to Marketing Times of Recovery.